fact that oil is unevenly distributed and needs to be conveyed across the oceans means that its flow can be controlled with relative ease by exerting pressure on a few maritime choke points. And, as it happens, the most important of those choke points are in the Indian Ocean, because one of Gaius Kirk's not unlike that which prompted her to give Maluku its volcanoes and forests, also led her to submerge much of the area around the Persian Gulf, periodically expanded and contracted in a manner that was perfect for the depositing of plant matter. As a result, this region now holds the world's largest oil and gas reserves. Just as the forests of the Indian Ocean Basin produced some of the most valuable commodities in the early modern era, their precursors in their fossilized forms continue to undergrade the world economy to this day. Of the world's top 10 oil exporting nations, five are in this region. In order to reach consumers, their energy exports must pass through a handful of maritime shock points. The most important of these are the Strait of Hormuz and the Strait of Malacca, which is vital for the transportation of oil to China, South Korea, Japan and Taiwan. A region that accounts for a larger segment of the world economy than either Europe or North America. Two other locations that are of great strategic importance because of their position at the way, major maritime roads are the southern tip and the horn of Africa. It is really no coincidence that these are the exact powers that the European colonial powers fought over when the Indian Ocean most important commodities were cloves, nutmeg and pepper. The Portuguese understood very early that trade in this region could be controlled by seizing the channels where the veins of the Indian Ocean narrow into pulse points. By the middle of the 16th century, they had their terms poisoned near all of them, with bases in Urmus, Malacca, Socotra, the tip of Africa and also Macau, which overlooks another strategically crucial channel, the entrance to the Pearl River. Portugal's ancient capital, Goa, is like the center of a spider's web, connected to every outpost by an invisible filament. The empire might be under American control today, but it is the product of centuries of combined Western effort. Going back to the 16th century, what would happen to this vast strategic structure if there were to be a quick worldwide transition to forms of energy that do not need to be transported across oceans? The answer is obvious. Its value will be hugely diminished. China, India, Japan and other large economies will not need to worry about the Strait of Hormuz or Malacca. They will generate their power on their own soil. One of the great blessings of renewable energy, from an ecological point of view, is that it does not need to be transported across the ocean. But that aspect of materiality is precisely its greatest shortcoming from a strategic point of view. Renewable energy does not flow in a way that makes it vulnerable to marine power. So we are back in Santiago, you're back on your stations. What have you been keeping an eye on, on the world lately? 
I mean, speaking for Johnny, he is maintaining all of his usual areas that he would normally be monitoring. But I think quietly and maybe at this point more importantly for him, he is constantly, constantly, constantly monitoring the whereabouts and activities of Carter Wax, as well as basically everyone else on his list. And I think he is probably withholding that information from everyone else, like both the inform- like the information about the whereabouts of all these people and also the fact that he's doing this at all. It's kind of a thing that's just sort of constantly on his mind at this point. So that's what Johnny's been up to. I think it's important that we see John with a big box of tissues. He is clearly sick at his desk, but he is keeping an eye on uh, just normal, the super spy stuff going on throughout the world. Just an eye on it, reading like, oh, there was a fight between a Russian agent and a French agent. Neat. And otherwise, just trying, occasionally coughing and sneezing, then apologizing, but refusing to go home. Joachim is probably keeping an eye on, um, not Lens Flare. Who is the Christian superhero that's opened up a mission in the area? The Rapture? They're monitoring them, and plus the any rebel situations that are in the area, just to make sure everything's okay with him. Not, not that, not the. Oh, I, I need to find rebels and go smash them. I just need to keep an eye, make sure they're not doing anything too drastic. Like you know, keeping it towards you know the people who are actually bad, not anybody who's actually you know just trying to live their best life. But also, uh, they're keeping an eye on the fashion trends of the superheroes and seeing like how they're changing. Because like, there seems to be a big upheaval in superhero designs now. Yes. Which is kind of, yeah, because I'm also referring to the big upheaval. 1,000%. Because they're also... I am all about this. I fucking love Vezrakir's side story where they just get really into fashion. Well, no, no. The thing is, it's like, you, you notice Berserkir has always been into fashion, just into, like, alt fashion. Like, trying to figure out what works for them. All right. There is an update on Lens Flare Terminal, but uh, it's currently not there, so it's forward for one of you. And it seems like uh, he has been monitoring a lot of people that have been involved in uh, projects that... Uh, pertain to energy alternatives to help the third world countries to get around the still felt effects of the energy crisis and escape the grip of the petrodollar and it seems like uh, there is one uh, one of uh, the people that, that they've been monitoring is Professor Gibson which was a British scientist that was currently on uh, Bangkok. And there is a message from a DOS in, uh, in Thailand, Jamayam, contacting uh, System 4 about uh, Professor Gibson requesting assistance. Hey, Lou. Mm. I- I'm kind of ashamed about the thinking of this, but I, I just thought of 
what we should be calling it instead of the petrol dollar, the petrolarchy. <laughs> Petromalarchy. Gibson's asking for assistance. Mm-hmm. And, and sorry, just because I am actually trying to do do my job and, and take notes. Uh, what did you say Gibson was working on and what's and where? So Gibson is a British scientist that has been working in some kind of project related with solar energy. And they are a British expat and they are currently hiding in Bangkok. And they requested help from System 4 because they fear that their life and research is in danger. Dang, Lensler could have gotten there instantly. How are, the, how are we going to get into Bangkok? Well, I'm telling you one thing. We're not teleporting. We're going through hell or the underworld. That was... I, I, I don't even remember what happened during that. I kind of liked the disco dancing. You looked great. You did the hustle. I know, but I don't remember it. <laughs> I mean, we all we all lose ourselves in the hustle sometimes. Oh, you're allowed to talk to him about the hustle, but I'm not allowed to talk about you doing the hustle. Okay. No one can prove that that happened. It's as simple as that. And it's just like you can't prove that that happened. I mean, we could we could charter a plane. I mean, okay, so uh, Joachim, after having to deal with a getting into Britain, Japan, and now S- Portugal. How do we get into Bangkok? Can we just walk in? Is it part of the third world or is it being held hostage by another power? Because I have no idea. It is part of the third world. You can probably, I mean, Thailand is, of course, working. The royal family is working with many of the imperial powers, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, of course, it's like everything. You cannot leave from Chile, but you can arrive from somewhere else. Okay. Hold on, let me look at a map. Gross. Look, I know that borders are fake and all, but we they're, they're a lie everyone believes right now. What's All right, Luke, because we've covered before that the Moon Wars kind of our timeline's Vietnam. What's going on in Vietnam? Things going relatively great in Vietnam. They're still going through the process of recovering. It's still... 70s were a pretty hard time, but uh, uh, yeah. Alright. There is a bit of a complicated relationship with China, but uh, other than that, yeah, things have been doing a slow recovery. And in fact, there is talk about a growing movement of the cybernetic international within Vietnam. So we've got two options. We go to China, and then from China, cut through Laos to Thailand, or we go to Vietnam and cut through Laos to Thailand. By the way, it's fine by me. We've got friends in both places, which is a rare sentence. All right, uh, Vietnam, Laos, and then... Uh, Thailand. I-, I guess. Thailand. Sounds good to me. Johnny just sort of absentmindedly nods in acquiescence because for the moment he is consumed by just memories of, of disco dancing and incredibly loud music but it happened it happens a lot anyways dang we're still in the 70s we can't can't play one night in bangkok i've been thinking that song the whole time i know but we're in the 70s that song doesn't exist yet goddamn time yeah time is a soup terrible delicious soup 
minutes. We go through the time portal and retrieve one one recording of One Night in Bangkok so that we can bring it back and play it for this. Is time a soup or is time a chili? Please don't get me started on philosophical comparisons between any abstract concept and food because we'll be here all day. I know. Reality is a re- reality is a burrito. Let's go. So we talk to Bangkok after you arrive at in the city and uh, yeah there's a big community of expats of various countries on Thailand a lot of people that have been recently kicked out of neighboring lands and uh, yeah Bangkok is being uh, subject to intense pressures not as much as the neighboring lands again you contacted your doors far ahead. So, Jarmayam is a member of the Farmers Federation of Thailand, which is a group that has been fighting for the improvement of the conditions of the tenant farmers. And that's basically the biggest conflict on the country is the absurd exploitation by uh, the landowners and all the farmers that have to deal more and more with increased prices and as agriculture gets even more expensive as a consequence of the ongoing late 70s economic collapses and uh, I mean they are pretty centrists politically speaking compared to the circles in which you hang on usually and they are more like moral socialists that uh, fight for these rights out of on a base of a sense of justice and social tapestry preservation rather than Marxism or other tendencies and they have managed a few successes and uh, they still had to fight with the royal family and uh, all the landowners and uh, the various goons that they sent so there's this climate of tension even on Bangkok and yeah how are you mingling in the city as you arrive to Thailand bearing in mind that there is already kind of a large expat community I think at least Johnny would float the idea that we just kind of blend into the crowd on that one you know just like wear some kind of pretty innocuous like street clothes and you know just get lost in the crowd it's a very big city oh yeah like i mean we fly casual team is putting away a very loud outfit at this point (laughs) um i think that just as a as a note for the future since also bangkok is a city that uh loves its two-wheel motor vehicles johnny just has the bike in stealth mode and i don't think it stands out really at all if we were able to procure I think the sidecar configuration would look pretty noticeable, even though there are more likely to be sidecars and stuff in Bangkok. But if we were able to procure like a second motorbike, I honestly, I would say probably for how comfortable is Bezrek here with driving a motorbike? Uh, do I need a license? Because I don't have one of those. Why, are, why can't I drive the motorbike, John? That's that's kind of actually what I was thinking is I, I figured you were probably a little more comfortable with it. Hey, uh, don't forget that every vehicle John Doe has driven, he has crashed. That is true. It's yeah, it's kind of just that you have it's like I, I, 
John, you know you are a dear friend of mine. You do have sort of a raw, destructive potential towards specifically motor vehicles that, don't get me wrong, is usually pretty cool, but also it would draw an enormous quantity of attention in a city that is as densely packed as this one. Uh, I don't understand what you're talking about. That's fine. You can just take it on. Just take. Just take. Just 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 take this one on credit. I, but I. It's like Johnny starts listing every single time he's seen John Doe throw a motorcycle at someone. Look, those were just coincidences. <laughs> there was there was that time that we were fighting the fascists and you threw a motorcycle at them. There was that time that you blew up a jeep. Fine. I'm just saying is uh, I would rather you be I just want is like it I'm fine with you riding one I just do want to make very clear that you have to just see it as transportation unless we get into a true emergency situation it will draw the most attention to us that could possibly happen in the moment I just I don't know I think I think I mean you know what fine Yokim it's it's just like driving a horse except not at all I don't feel I feel like that didn't help even as a sort of as a piece of advice. I feel like that was probably one of the least helpful things you could have said. Bren, I have a question is uh, would Joachim have had any interest in their time at System 4 in figuring out how to ride on a motorcycle? No, I don't believe so. Okay. Johnny would be setting this up where basically if possible, I know Bezerkir is a, a large person. If possible, Johnny would probably be like, okay, you're going to ride on the back and John will take motorcycle number two. Oh, I get my own motorcycle? Well, you know how to use one. You know how to drive one. John Doe drives his motorcycle like a maniac. Absolute crazy person. I feel like I would have said ahead of time just being like, hey, please just stay behind me and do basically what I do. You got it, John. As soon as we hit the road. Doesn't doesn't fucking do that at all, does he? Absolutely. <laughs> he gets there like three minutes before Johnny gets anywhere. <laughs> Every time Johnny rolls up, and he's just like, "Please slow down." What are you talking about? I was driving slow. Okay. So yeah, that was a very long sidebar about how how we are navigating the city of Bangkok. Lou, you said that there was a dose that Gibson contacted uh, who reached out to us. Is that how we got the information, or? Gibson reach out to us directly. Yeah, yeah, that's how you got the information. So, did you want to meet with the dogs in person, or did you want the dogs to arrange a meeting with Gibson? I think I actually kind of want to meet the dose first because I would love to get their take on what Gibson's doing and like what he what his motivations are. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I would like. That, that's that's what that would be my first instinct. What do y'all think? That sounds smart. Yeah, I think we try to arrange a meeting with the dose at like a like an expat bar. Yeah, the dose, just a simple farmer, Jamayam, is getting basically a career network between the the agents of the party in the city and their various supports decentralized across the country. Yeah, there's really not much of a central authority to the Farmers Federation. And uh, he comes in at the bar, seems a bit 
annoyed because one thing is to turn into a Telex machine, another is actually having to take time off his day to, to come here. He's like, are you are the Chileans ones? What? Uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's us. Yeah. Well, no code phrase. You're just gonna straight up. Uh, I guess we're okay here. Never. But yeah, we're the we're the Chileans. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming out and meeting us. Sorry to sorry to take your time. We'll uh, we'll try to be quick about it. So what do you need? Curious about the fellow you contacted us about, Gibson. Just kind of wanted to get sort of your perspective on what he's been up to in his work if you know anything about it and kind of what vibe he was putting off he seemed panicked or just kind of just a your take on the situation would be appreciated well i don't know anything about the brit he really seemed pretty out of mind seemed convicted someone is after after him he kind of barricaded himself at home most of the time he came to meet me at the shop. These guys had make a whole big thing, asking me to contact a few people. You were like the third people that I sent the message for, and you seem to be the first one that uh, that attended. Who were the other two? Oh, the first one we called the Pakistani, but uh, the usual contact did not reply. I guess again they had to be on the move. Because you know, you know how things are there. Uh, oh yeah. And the other one was the the Cubans. And well, we, yeah. And while we are fighting, we talked a bit. It seems like uh, he created some kind of machine that uh, allows the focus of the sun. Something about uh, limits in space and uh, water. They said something about using refracted light and clouds to through a laser focus the energy of the sun so that it would hit a high density point which then could be captured efficiently on a solar plant I think he called it the Solex agitator or something like that he seemed convicted that this is going to put finally an end to the partial full dependency because it's you're gonna you can have on certain places more conventional photovoltaic centrals but also that you could have this system so that you could have a decentralized network that could provide additional power yeah and they seem to believe that this is what the people are coming for yeah, people famously do not really like it very much when you upset the natural order, such as it is regarding fossil fuels. So there may be something to it if, uh, if you think somebody's after him. Yeah, yeah, crude though. All right. So he just seems agitated. Yeah. He asked me if I could secure him a fake passport, but I told him it's going to take a few weeks. I think he's planning to leave the country. If things go for a while, I will probably meet them sooner rather than later yeah maybe we should head over now so do you want to me to call him myself or do you want a number so that you can call him name that is your move i was gonna say the best thing might be you contacting him and saying you've got some folks who are here to help that you're gonna send them over that way he knows you know you've gone through the channels you're recruited the assistance how do y'all feel about that I was about to say the same thing. 
Yes. Just hell yeah. It's the same brain. And it's like Johnny does that gesture where he just kind of does the, the back and forth between him and Joachim's heads. Seems like a pretty good idea. I, I agree. All right. So where do you meet with Gibson? Where's he going to feel comfortable? We would we would ask Gibson to tell us where. Wait, but you're, you're not calling him directly. Or how will you do that? I mean, I think we'd probably say, say to the dose to just like tell Gibson or like ask, ask Gibson to tell us where mm-hmm. he wants us to meet him. And we'll we will we will honor that. Yeah. So there it is a coffee house on one of the neighborhoods that seems to have uh, a big French expat population. Uh, and uh, he asks you to meet there. All right, let's go. If this is a trap, I'm blaming myself. That's very kind of you. I, I, th- I mean, you know, fair is fair. I said the same thing you did, so. And then we have another great scene of us weaving through traffic on motorcycles and John Doe doing all kinds of crazy shit. John Doe does at least three wheelies. John Doe drives over at one point and yells, tag, you're it, and slaps Johnny and then drives off. <laughs> Johnny just, like, just quietly, I-, I think, just accepts it and does not acknowledge it at all. <laughs> Just like just quietly to himself, maybe to Joachim, if Joachim can hear him over the motorcycle, it's just supposed to be blending in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look out! Look out! Look, food, food cart! Food cart! Not the chase scene yet. Swerves around the food cart and just sorry. All right. So you stay there, and what type of individual are there? At the coffee house. Yeah. Whatever the house specialty is. Johnny's very much in the in the discipline of just like kind of th- this is this is Johnny's when in Rome. This like wh- whatever the house specialty is, whatever everybody else seems to be drinking. Johnny Johnny wants one of those. Yeah, mine, but uh, same but black. Uh, I'll have a Thai iced tea. I sit there for a while, and you wait, and you wait, and him wait, and he seems to be quite late. Anybody else getting worried? Anybody else getting uh? We're, we're doing a lot of the same brain st- st- Yeah. Yeah, we, we all must be sharing a brain cell or something like that. I bet you either he shows up, we hear a crash, or someone comes to the door and starts shooting us. John finishes his, his tie iced tea, puts it down, slides it out of the way. Johnny is wearing clothes that I think probably the others have never seen him in. He's not wearing a duster, for one thing. He's wearing like a loose sort of, it's not like a Hawaiian shirt, but it's kind of in that school and like military fatigues. And uh, he's still wearing the Stetson. He's just got like some like some combat boots on. The, there's a storage compartment on the bike where the duster is and everything, but he looks, uh, he's better dressed for the humidity and the heat than he would typically be because just in the school of blending in. So he's just sipping whatever this beverage is in a little bit more garish clothing than he would normally be, which I think takes away from some of his seriousness. He's just like, I don't know, should we head to, I think we should head to Gibson's office? I mean, the dose said that he was barricading himself in there, but. I mean, if he said he'd meet us here, he might also be doing the fairly paranoid thing of making sure we're not like killers for hire. Yeah. Or somebody could be after him. I think, uh... I'm gonna go look outside. You look outside, um, Johnny. Do do your do your spooky future thing. Yeah, I think I am gonna try and do some form of looking into the future here. Um, 
Lou, if I were trying to look forward into the future and figure out sort of like if there is an incoming threat to Gibson, would that be an overcome role? That would be an overcome. Would principle of the tactician apply here? Just one you can flash back to how you prepare for this exact situation. Yeah, because it's like, you know that this meeting was going to happen. You have been preparing about this in advance. You got a lot of tell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I got a nine. Nine is full success. Nice. So they look around and you get a sense of someone sneaking in into a house to already previously marked as Gibson's house. And you get the feeling that someone is breaking in in that house at this right moment. And you need to get there fast. Johnny stands up and he says, we're leaving. Go now. Let's go. So I guess it's time for uh, for some overcomes for both of the people driving the, the motorcycles to get there fast. Finally, after all this time. Oh, also, please, everyone uh, remember to mark that uh, you earned uh, a hero point from me using uh, one of my principles. No. Okay. I respect that. I'm going to cash in one of my my hero point plus three because my dice are not great. My dice are okay for this. I'm going to be using... They thought he was driving like a maniac before. Now, there are points where he is running, carrying the bike, and then driving it again. Yeah, I also, I, I think Johnny is also, he's dropped some of his, like, we need to blend in because he knows that there's an urgency here. I guess but the kid, uh, they are not driving, but they think they can maybe create a boost for one of you. Bezric here, would you mind creating a boost for me? Uh, not at all. Since you are, you are on the back of my bike. I'm not going to burn a hero point boost yet. Ooh, I got a plus. That's, is that right? Does it plus still? Yeah. So, so how are you helping in the driving? Uh, I am pointing out the path to go. Look out for this. Look out for that. I am successfully and not annoyingly backseat driving. <laughs> See, that actually works great because I think Johnny is kind of trusting Bezric here to be paying attention to the immediate environment. Johnny is in his head using his precognitive powers to map out the best route like i mean think like anticipating things like stoplights and you know obstacles that might go into the road like he's several steps ahead and he's kind of trusting bezer here to manage the immediate so i'm going to use principle of the tactician again because the description is extremely applicable to this situation because i literally just prepared to the for this exact situation we'll roll plus max and i will take that delightful plus two boost from bezer here that is a 10 yeah Okay, I, I'm going to let you describe this, but you have to end it with an Akira turn, basically. Of course. Absolutely. Naturally. I'm going to use Principle of Amnesia because, like I said, John is occasionally picking the bike up and running with it and doing things that no sensible bu- motorcyclist would consider safe or sane. I th- I also think that I bet that part of Pezzer here. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Um... If you all excuse me for a minute, I'm going to mute to scream for just a second. Just just one. Okay, we'll be here. You want to take a minor twist or fail? I'll take the minor twist. Mm-hmm. 
we're early enough in the arc, we can afford some minor twists. Mm-hmm. That's what makes the later half of the arc interesting. Exactly. I, I should also say, uh, for, for the folks at home, Brad rolled a dice pool of three dice and got a one on all three of them, which I think statistically is fucking wild. Mm-hmm. Eight times eight times six. Please don't ask me to do math ever. Sorry, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have to say that you get there, but you have to lose the bike somehow. <laughs> I think right before I get there, what happens is there's something like a block that John Doe could jump over, but without the bike. <laughs> and he just looks at it, looks up, and just, I'm gonna, we're going to lose the, the deposit on this. All right, I'll be back for you, Bikey. And then jumps over it. And this is the moment where we get that, where we get the Akira brake slide. As they are pulling up to Gibson's place, like we see John Doe, like just launches up into the air off of the bike. There is a just sort of a crash, and we see bike components, maybe a very small explosion, not a big one, but uh, some bike components just go flying. John flies over them as like the other two on the bike and we brake slide as John like rolls into a perfect like I don't know probably like a three point stance or some shit we brake slide in behind John it looks very cool it definitely attracts probably some attention guys uh I think there's something wrong with that bike's distributor cat yeah there probably is at this point let's move on we'll talk about that another time as i mean fair is fair we're you know pearls before swine we're we're in we're in sort of a uh, i would say a more dire situation johnny tosses on his duster hits the button on the bike that changes the configuration and changes it to the the sidecar config in case we need to leave and chase anything soon grabs the sniper out of the like the magnetic holster that's on the side of the bike and tucks it under the duster it's not in like the full like the folded out version where it can be like super obvious but it can be under like it can be under the jacket while still folded and pulls his bandana up over his face and he's like let's get in there yay john doe has a brief coughing fit and then goes in hey you're you're sure you're feeling all right i mean there's we don't have time. Yeah, I think Void Walker gave me this cult. I, I tell you what, man, kids. I was just like, you need to, you know, like, just you need to be washing your hands. You need to be like making sure you're not standing too close to anybody. She's just, it's fine. It's not a big deal. You're good though, right? Berserk here kicks down the door. Yeah, Liz. <laughs> I think Liz has it too. I like that we are discussing this behind Berserk here as they just. Just kick the door in and we walk in behind them having this shop talk. Yeah. You just break, just push the door in and uh, you hear the sound of glass breaking and someone running. I go that direction. Yeah, as as Bezerkir was kicking the door in, Johnny just immediately pulls out these two like hand cannon style revolvers and chases after Bezerkir. John Doe starts using his terrifying hardcore parkour skills to do the same. Yeah. And you come in and you enter the office and you see that the, the window is being just put a hole through it and broken. And there is a body 
of a man lying on the floor. God damn it. With double tap it. And you can see that the the room it has been turned upside down and say someone has been rummaging for something. Again, someone just jump out of the window. Johnny turns to the other two, and I think we see a moment of him returning to that very tactical, like military commander type thing. And he says, y'all two get after whoever that is. I'm going to go ahead and check the room out real quick. Make sure or like see if there's anything I can do here for Gibson. I'll uh, I'll catch up on the bike here in just a minute. Yep. OK. And both John and Mr. Kier just using their leaping powers jump out of the window. I mean, you said double tapped, but I am going to just for the sake of it. I'm going to double check that Gibson's dead. Yeah, Gibson is fucking dead. Yeah. Um, you said the room seemed like it had been rummaged through? Yeah, as if someone has been looking for something. Can I kind of try and see if they found it? Like, I mean, can I a quick like look around to see if, if anything's been taken? Well, you know from the entrance of Border Gear that whoever was searching was mid-search and they then they stopped and they had to, to leave. Okay. Do you think that I would be able to search the room and maybe try to find what they were after so that I can take it and that way <laughs> keep whoever was after? I'm assuming this is probably plans for this solar ag- or the Solex agitator. So the thing is, you can look around. You find a lot of hiding places where something was clearly there recently, but it's not on the house. So after a throat investigation, you figure out that it's not here. After I know that, I uh, how high up are we? How what's the drop? Uh, three floors. I wonder. Can I? I don't know if. I mean, I'm a superhero. Yeah, but are you that kind of superhero? Is there? A, that's a good point. Is there? A, is there? A, is there like a fire escape? Yes. I'll go out the window and go and and onto the fire escape, and then I will. I'll jump down le- like levels of the fire escape so that I'm not jumping straight down onto the street and I'm going to run for the bike. So as you go outside, you see a familiar figure in a brown suit with a red shirt uh, and two Walter PPKs running away. It is Monocle. And he gets in front of traffic of uh, Ornet X and uh, just grabs who seems to be a stereotypical Texan and kicks out of the car and darts driving away. See, you say all that, and I think Lupin the third. So, yeah. John is swearing as he's giving pursuit just what? Like a bad petty. Uh, I'm going to try and leap into the car as it spins off. Or leap onto the car. I'm going to try and leap on the car. Can I try that? Yeah, go for it. Awesome. And I do want to say, I think canonically I was behind the other two because they ran off after Monocle immediately. I have equipped John. I don't know if he if he knows that I did it, but I did put a walkie-talkie onto his belt so that I can just be like, give me the streets, like tell me the directions so that I can catch up. That's what I get. Oh, shit. Dang, I knew I should have used the boost. Should have used the boost. Oh well. So do you do you want to miss or do you want to succeed with the twist? I'm gonna go with miss. I, I feel that's more appropriate. 
basically what happens is I leap, I leap in front of the car, creating a crater, but he instantly drives around it, around me. Mm-hmm. That's basically what happens. Yeah. I tried. Then I engage pursuit. Yeah. You basically calculate the jump. He sees the shadow and slows down and almost almost the timing was perfect, but this fucker has been playing this game for too long. Yeah. So you get on the bike and you start giving chase, right? Yeah, as soon as I am down at street level, I sort of like screech up next to Bezerkir, the sidecar open, and I say, hey there, friend, you going my way? (laughs) Uh, yep, 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 yep. Johnny grabs the radio on the bike and says, come in, John, give me the streets you're on. We'll catch up with you here as soon as we can. And then John starts reading off the coordinates. Guns the throttle, heads off. I'll roll a uh, overcome to keep pace at least. And not get lost. And not get lost. I'm not, I don't know if I'm a get lost kind of himbo. <laughs> Maybe they even failed me. Look, you gotta trust the vibes. It's time for the divine vibe check. I got a four. <laughs> so do you want a miss or do you want uh, a twist? I'm trying to think which would be more interesting here. I'll take a twist, Lou. Basically, you have to start getting through very dangerous places and you actually get a few oofs, roadblocks, oofs on your way as you keep pursuing. So what gives you four health damage as you are keeping chase of uh, the Ornit and uh, the bike? I think John ends up having to run through a live construction site. <laughs> and as he's like, he's able to clear everything and he gets like that kind of smug look on his face. And then as he sneezes, he hits his head on an eye beam on a metal eye beam. And then just <laughs> bonk, bonk. Ow. <laughs> he's going oh. this way. <laughs> He's just like, I'm just imagining John Doe just like hits the thing, falls, like lands on his feet, but is like holding his head and still running very fast. Just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. He's going this way. I hit my head. Are you, are you, are you good? I think I'm going to have a bruise. That's well, uh, you know, uh, uh, John, I hate to tell you this. You're a superhero. So, uh, you know, love you, but uh, walk it off. Just catch monocle. Uh, yeah, we are just tearing through the streets. Uh, have we gotten to the point where we can see the, the Hornet yet? No, no, yeah, yeah, you can see the Hornet. It's, you have to make some crazy close cuts to get close by. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, he, he, the Hornet disappears down into a market and starts going through side streets and then you merging back and uh, tearing apart a few shops. So yeah, how do you give cheese? I look over at Joachim and I say, do you want to try and uh, launch onto the car again? I don't want to tell you what to do. I know it didn't go great the first time. Uh, how about we just... I got an idea. Pull up next to him. You got it. Johnny guns the throttle and tries to pull up next to next to the Hornet. I don't know if he needs to make a check for that or if I need to make a check for that, but I'm going to try and slam my axe into the engine of the Hornet. So 
Whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Oh my god, I shouldn't have said that. These dice! They're rooting for Monocle. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Things have been going great for me. I'm going to pass it to Highwayman as I pretty much nick the hood. I, I'm going to say basically what happens was there's suddenly a cabbage cart comes in the way of our motorcycle and Johnny has to swerve really quick, which just puts me just barely out of range of the the Hornet's engine and I just nick it a little bit. Yeah, if it is passed to me, I'm going to... Goddamn cops. Cops are in here. Fucking cops. Yeah, I'm going to try and shoot out one of the tires. I guess that will count as a him there? That sounds right. Okay, so yeah, so you shoot one of the of the tires. Monocle is swerving and yeah, and uh, he is struggling to keep on a straight line. So who you hand off to? You know, I actually am going to hand it to John Doe. I know that means we'll have to worry about opposition in the background, but or the back of the round. But I, I hope that John can capitalize on, on this hinder. John is uh, he's going to jump, trying to land on the hood. And Jay is like, <laughs> again, why do you keep showing up places I'm at? This is going to be my opening blow. I'm going to use my strength, my close combatant, and a d6. John Doe is very tired of Monocle's face showing up places he's at. Uh, that's a four. Damn it. We are having a time. This is going to be a long arc, isn't it? This is going to be a long arc. So he managed to defend. So how you landing on the top of the roof, but then attacking? Backfire. Well, of course, it's Monocle. He has some stupid gadget that he uses on you. So what gadget he uses to stop your attack? Before I can start punching out the engine, he deploys like a carbon fiber looking hood that my punch bounces off of. And I do look at him and this is a hundred percent character. I'm just like, you know, I knew you'd do some bullshit like this, Monocle. It's always like this with you. Yeah, and you go flying right in front of the... Uh, you just go towards Highwayman. Which of you jo- dodges and which of you gets uh, John Doe to the face? I'm going to say I'm going to try and catch John Doe, so I will take John Doe to the face. I know that sounds really dirty, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so that's four damage, so you reduce it to three, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So who you hand off to? The police. Maybe they'll just arrest Monocle. Ew. Why do you think that? Why? why? All right. So you hear sirens as three cars from the Royal Thai police come chasing in and they start to flank you three as they give cover to Monocle as he tries to escape. So one of the cars pushes by and one of the cops pull out a shotgun and shots at you with the shotgun. You know, these guys would probably not be shooting us if we funded them. (laughs) (laughs) So give them if we just give them military grade weapons and more training, I'm sure everything would be way more chill. Yeah, so and body cams. Don't forget body cams. Yeah, so that's five damage to each of you for resisting address as a, uh, <laughs> a rest. 
one of the other cop cars, they throw a, a spike trap to get to blow your tires. That's going to be a minus three in there. So I guess it does blow your tires or it forces you to somehow avoid that trap. And I'll tell you what it is, because I have established before that this thing doesn't have traditional tires, that it is like it's like a carbon fiber wheel. But it does have in order to make sure that it is as flexible as a tire would be, it has little uh, between it. And I think part of the spike trap gets caught in one of the slots. Yeah. So you just basically you are continue on, but now you're just agents that are there metal plates in the middle of your wheels and uh, a mother of the police cars it moves in front of you and tries to stay between you and Monaco so it's defending Monaco Crimson Gold Agonies is an associate of Court Games and D20 Radio. Joaquin Jarv, aka Berserkin, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. They are available for editing work. Message them for rates. Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlock. They can be found at SGCADelaysec on Instagram and Young Space Dead on Twitter. They are largely imperceived. John Doe is played by Bradley Handler. You can follow him at Judge the Barbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettel and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Citadel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits. Crimson Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast just because a friend told us about it.